there's only three things that are going to happen to people. One is they get to live a very long, healthy, enjoyable life. Two, they'll get sick or hurt along the way, or they'll die prematurely. Welcome to the No Fat Cats podcast, where we help high-performing teams get even better. I'm your host, Wesley Dean, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with Tom Gearhart. As a creative myself, I've at times struggled with the whole financial side, even though I'd say I'm probably a little bit better than than some at managing the creative and the financial. It has definitely been a uh, you know a bit of struggle for me um, when it comes to just knowing everything and uh, you know knowing what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, for uh, example, back in my early college days, uh, I was kind of stupid, <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, at one point I you know wasted a little bit of money on penny stocks that I had bought through student loans. I would never recommend doing that. I ended up losing quite a bit of money, um, but I you know, learned a little bit in the process, um, some big takeaways. But, you know, at one point I had the, the IRS send me a letter saying, oh, guess what? You owe $90,000 because of all these stocks you sold. And I was like, oh, what? Uh, was I and then it, it turns out you're supposed to like file this schedule D if you sell stocks did not know that as a 21 22 year old found that out later um, you know I eventually sh- showed them no I didn't actually make any money I actually lost money and they were oh, okay yeah you're fine um, but <laughs> there's always things in that financial space where I just wish that there was someone who could uh, you know he could just check in with and say hey am I I'm on the right path you know since then I've uh, you know have an accountant firm who does taxes even though I still kind of keep track of some of the daily receipts through you know expensify and uh, think I could just take a snap a picture and upload it make sure and keep track of things but I definitely have had through, throughout my years a number of questions about about the whole process you know early on I thought I needed a 401k and so I started one and then realized, wow, for the size of our company, uh, a 401k just didn't make any sense. But what really would have been made sense was a simple IRA, which I eventually transitioned to. But there's just all these questions where you as a creative, and now this is especially going to apply to people who are in the the freelance world, the gig economy, where you need to really understand the basics if you're going to not only survive, but thrive in terms of what do you need to be taken into account? What is you know what types of insurance should you be thinking about? What kind of um, retirement savings plan are you even saving for retirement? Those sorts of things you need to be keeping have a basic understanding of them so that way you know what questions to ask. So I think that's the biggest thing is you don't have to know all the answers and you don't have to be an expert at everything, but you need to be self-aware enough to know what questions you should be asking. And so for this episode, I think it's just important for all of our audience to have that basic understanding of how insurance works, how savings plans, the importance of savings, and how to um, be a successful creative who can retire. And you know, we're not talking about being immensely wealthy, but just know that when you are ready to retire uh, from the job that you love, you can do that. So without further ado, here is Tom Gearhart for um, the podcast. All right, well, here I am with Tom Gear at the Renaissance Hotel as he's getting ready from, uh, for a conference coming up. And so um, Tom and I, uh, had it, had we met before when I was born? 
I don't no. recall. It's been a long time ago if we have. Okay, well, uh, yeah, Tom, Tom Gearhart had, uh, was, was responsible with getting that first life insurance policy when I was born almost 30 years ago. So I guess you've been doing this for at least 30 years now. At least. All right, well, uh, Tom was in town, uh, D.C., and so we'd never actually met up, even though we'd talked on the phone a number of times, but we decided to meet up in person, um, and I suggested, hey, why don't we come down and record a, record a podcast episode? Uh, I work within the, the creative space, and you know, there's a lot of freelancers and people who are in, who are, you know, in the gig economy, um, and often you know, planning for retirement, planning for uh, you know, contingencies isn't something that we really think about until it's a little bit too late. And I thought this is a perfect opportunity to come in, have a conversation with Tom, and uh, to help educate people about what milestones and what steps they should be looking at when it comes to uh, just financial security, because the truth is, you know, it takes money to be able to do things in this world is just the the reality. Um, and when you can manage it well, you're setting yourself up, up for success later on. Um, and so that's where I want to just check in with you, Tom. So tell me a little bit, how did you first get into this, into the financial advising? I graduated from Taylor University in 1977 and wanted to go into the insurance business. In the 70s, there was the insurance business, there was the investment business, and there was the banking business. All were separate. And I had a desire to go into the insurance business and simply was in the business of selling life and disability insurance and some annuities. And then in the early 80s, the walls came down between those three entities, those three industries, and it all started coming together where everybody was doing everything else. It was probably 20 to 25 years ago that I slowly began to evolve into the investment world and what I do for clients is holistic planning covering all the bases making sure that regardless of what happens in a person's future that there's financial security okay great now now some people might be thinking all right this is a, a podcast for creative teams you know what does financial planning have to do uh with, with my life now what does it have to do with our team now but tell me a little bit about do you know of anyone who has been in the creative creative space whether it's you know a photographer or, or anything like that who um who was later glad that they they planned you know, financially. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, very early in my career, I began working with an individual who I had known personally. He uh, spent his entire adult life as a racing photographer. Oh, so what kind of racing? He uh, photographed IndyCar and uh, Formula One, so all open wheel racing. And he very much was a freelancer. At times he worked for companies, but not to the extent that they were providing him with any benefits, so to speak. So early on, we began talking about someday he's not going to be doing this, whether he chooses to or whether he's unable to, and how do we plan for that? And it was a slow process that took decades to be able to reach the place where he now is retired and he has a great deal of financial security and is able to do all the things he wants to do and doesn't have to worry about where his next meal comes from. Oddly enough, most of the people that he worked with in his in, in his adult life, he commented to me how they have it planned and are struggling at this point. So he feels very blessed and feels great that he's able to 
enjoy life the way he wants to because of the planning he did that just took time. So, so when he first started off, how old was he when you first met him? He was probably about 30 years old. Okay, 30 years old. And so so that stage, what were his... No, he started thinking about planning about his 30s, but what, what was he really looking to do? Was he at the stage where he was so focused on you know, career, on getting better at his profession? Yeah, he yeah. was just like any any of us are at that age, more focused on what he's doing, enjoying it, getting the most out of it, uh, enjoying life and, and all the things that we look forward to in our in our earlier years. But he also had enough wisdom and listened to his father about how you get older and time gets away from you. So begin doing those things that are going to make sure that someday you'll be able to continue to enjoy life even though you won't be working. Did you ever see people who started off in that space early on and said, oh, I, I imagine always wanting to do this? Yeah, inevitably, what happens you know, 30, 40 years down the road, you slow down. And Have you seen it? Are there very many people who are still doing now what they thought they were going to be doing 40 years ago? In some cases, I think we all know that the one thing that we can guarantee about life is there are changes. And and he changed with the changes that occurred in his industry and others have as well. In many cases, what is what many people are able to do later in life they're unable to do, whether because of their own limitations or because the environment in which they work changed and they had no control over it. Okay. So so let's talk about, you know, some people might be thinking, all right, well, you know, Social Security, it's going to be around, uh, I mean, uh, who, who knows? I mean, do you have any thoughts on uh, Social Security? What are the current, you know, prognosis and um, what, what is the reality for someone who's in their, their 30s now with, with Social Security? I do. Uh, the realities for people that age are that there are currently not enough workers to support the number of retirees. Social Security isn't going away. Social Security is changing. For people who are planning in the earlier years, I think the important thing to do is to realize that it's going to be different than what it's going to be today. And in the parameters that we use in our planning for younger people, we usually look at what is the what is the benefit that's projected for them right now and then we'll take 50 to 75% of it okay and look at it that way because my own view is that social security is not going away it's going to change and and so to plan accordingly is really the best way to do it include social security in your planning but don't include it to the same extent that it's benefiting current recipients. Oh, it sounds good. So it's not going away completely, but at least it might not be there to the extent that we want it to. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, what are the options? Let's let's first start with, um, you know, people who are at, a, are at a company, maybe a big creative agency, work for another company where they they have retirement plans option. What What is that usually going to be called? And what are those options? And, and what is the strategy for them to be doing? Most likely in a larger employer, you'll have a 401k, 
And a 401k plan, the, the term 401k has become synonymous with all retirement plans. A 401k is a specific kind of retirement plan, okay. and 401k is a section under the Internal Revenue Code. And what it allows an employer to do is to withhold an employee's wages before tax and put them into a plan that's employer-controlled, that is subject to um, rules and regulations, that requires annual reporting, updating, and also, in many cases, if not most, then employers will match that contribution up to a certain level. There are certain kinds of 401ks, those that are known as safe harbors, where there is a required match. The, um, the, the whole idea there is that if an employee wants to um, save, the employer will match what they put in. So the employee is the one that has to put money in first. The employer doesn't automatically put money in. The employee puts the money in first, then the employer does the match and helps them get to building up an account for retirement security. Okay. And so do you have any recommendations for people, let's say they're in their, you know, in that kind of a setting, being in their, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, as they, they kind of move on, what do you, what is your usual advice if they have that person who is in, in HR taking care of that kind of stuff? Well, whether or not your employer matches what you have withheld, you have to start saving as soon as possible because unless someone is going to die and leave you a large inheritance or unless you're going to win the lottery, there's no other way to accumulate the amount of money you need to replace, to, to, to generate the income you're used to getting out of bed every morning and going to work to earn uh, without doing this over a long period of time. And that way you can benefit from the power of compounding interest because the biggest part of compounding interest is the element of time as opposed to interest earned. Oh, do you, so along those lines, do you have any examples of, you know, amounts? Like if you were to put away money in your 20s, like what approximately is it going to be, you know, in your 60s? Or you know? If you're 25 years old and you save $286 per month in a 401k, and if you invest aggressively an average 8% per year, by the time you reach age 65, you'll have a million dollars. Okay, and this, this is just doing, how much did you say a month? $286. $286 a month, uh, you'll be a, a millionaire. In, invested right? in growth mutual funds, you will be a millionaire at age 65. Okay. Um, and that's simply uh, a mathematical rule called the rule of 72. You take, you take the number 72 and divide it by nine, you get eight. That means that money doubles every nine years. Okay, money doubles every nine years. Is if you divide it, it by seven, money doubles by every 10.2 years. Okay. No, that's a, a really good frame of reference. And so it is that starting um, starting early. And so do you, do you have any thoughts on, as, as people are looking at getting out of school, they look they have, you know, student loans, you know, and it, sometimes it might be tempting to say, oh, well, I'm going to pay the uh, student loans off first. What do you say to those, you know, those people? So, it's important to be debt-free. But you also have to plan for the future. And so I've found that a dual-pronged approach to debt elimination as well as beginning to accumulate money for the future is the best strategy of all. Okay. Cause I know um, 
you know, I, I had definitely been in that camp for a bit in terms of, oh, well, if we have student loans, we need to pay those off first. But I think one of the things that I realized is that it's not, people often treat treat it like a math equation where um, it's just a math problem. Say, oh, well, if I have more money here, then um, that's, and I say, I, if I pay more, I put more towards retirement, I have less for the student loans. But it's actually more of a psychological um, game where, if you put that money away for retirement first, um, then you're less likely to spend it on something else. Um, and so I didn't know how much do you, do you find is it that that psychological effect? Because it, it's, I mean, people never save for retirement by at the end of the month saying, how much money did I not spend? Let me put that away for retirement. Do you know anyone who's ever ever spent saved money that way? Well, um, effectively, yeah. the, the way I would respond to that, Wes, is just to say that the best strategy is to save first and spend what's left. Whereas most people spend first and save what's left, and typically there isn't anything left because there's always something to spend your money on. Okay, no, I was recently talking to a to a photographer who said, "Oh, I'm living in a in a bigger city, so I mean, granted, it was more expensive, but just said I can't afford to. I, I just don't have any money to save." And so I didn't at the time ask, "Well, do you save first or do you save at the end?" But um, yeah, it seems like everyone I talked to. Um, I don't know anyone who, who finds it easy to save at the end. Um, it's impossible. It really is. It, <laughs> I mean, does, it doesn't work. Cause, I mean, you've been doing this for a um, number of years now. Are, do, do you think, are there any outliers that you'd say, oh, they did a really good job saving last? I don't know of a single one. So, so you're telling me that in all of your years, um, you've never once met someone who was good at saying at the end of the month, hey, I saved money, let me save it for retirement. Never once. <laughs> so, so pretty much everyone who you work with who has effectively saved for retirement has done that by saving first is what you're saying. Exactly. They put themselves on the payroll, so to speak. You, you have the money come out of your paycheck into your retirement plan. You do your own accumulation um, and as well as pay your mortgage and pay everything else. It's just another commitment that you have to stick with each month. Okay. Sounds good. And so, so that, that's kind of what covers in terms of the, um, you know, in, people who are in that larger firm that has that 401k. Uh-huh. What are some other things that people in that space, because I do want to transition to the freelancer, but I'd love to hear what are other things that people should be thinking about in that space, whether it's you know life insurance and obviously we're not going to have time to go into all these details now, but just I'd love to help people be familiar with what are the products out there and to know what they should be looking for. Sure. There's only three things that are going to happen to people. One is they get to live a very long, healthy, enjoyable life. Two, they'll get sick or hurt along the way and not live that long, enjoyable, healthy life, or they'll die prematurely. Those are the only three three things that will happen. And in order to properly plan, you have to plan for all those contingencies. Because first, if you live a long, healthy life, you've got to have enough money to live off of once you retire. So that takes a lot of money. If you happen to die prematurely and you die with debt or you die with dependents, then there has to be money to help them. Or what's possibly the worst case scenario is that you are sick and hurt and no longer able to work and you become an asset you go from becoming you go from being an asset to your family to becoming a liability because now you're expensive and you're not generating any income. And most oftentimes, large employers provide disability insurance, but generally speaking, it's not enough. It usually only covers a portion of what a person needs so that um, supplementing that with additional disability insurance is one of the most overlooked areas of planning that 
that uh, that we find and something that people need to do. So you have to have both risk management for that stuff that's going to go wrong, and you also have to plan for the best for what we hope goes right. Oh no, that's super helpful. And that that yeah, at one point I heard that you're was it four times more likely to get disabled and not be able to work than to die prematurely or something like that. Um, oh yeah, the chances of becoming disabled before age sixty-five is one in four. Oh, one one in four. One in four. And this, this isn't you, like one in four people. One in four people. Yeah. Okay. Now you may not be disabled a long time, but if you are disabled at least ninety days, then the average duration of a disability is six years. So. Disability is far more likely to occur than what people are willing to recognize. And it makes sense because no one can envision themselves disabled. It's impossible. Yeah. You can't envision yourself. You know, you live a healthy life. You don't have a lot of risk factors. You do everything right. But yet the unexpected can occur. And you got to be prepared for it. No, that, that's super helpful. So I want to transition now to, to looking at that, you know, the the freelance creative because there are you know just so many people especially as more and more things go towards you know the gig economy and so the reality is that even um you know you could be working for hollywood as a director of photography of a major movie um and you're probably on as a as a sole proprietor or you mm-hmm. might have your own company for liability reasons mm-hmm. but m- most of those people are are freelancers mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's a wedding photographer, whether you're a freelance graphic designer, you know, they're all self-employed, mm-hmm. you know, paying their own taxes. What are, what are steps that you recommend? What are the options that people should be thinking through? Let's say starting off in their twenties, mm-hmm. they're just getting started. What, mm-hmm. what should people, what kind of habits should people develop? Well, the habit is spend less than what you earn and put the difference to something that'll grow. Okay. Regardless of what that is. And then the other part is to treat yourself as if you were employed by a company that you would have insurance benefits and buy them yourself. Okay. So, so what, what benefits do people be looking for? Uh, Life insurance, and, disability insurance, health insurance. Okay. And then when it comes to, to saving for, for retirement, what mm-hmm. do you usually recommend um, doing? Because so, I know, you know initially I started as a small business with a few employees. I had a 401k. But for the number of people, you know, the 401k, I just felt like the fees were kind of high for only having three people on board. Uh, at one point, I think the fees were like about 20% of what we were actually saving. Um, and then I switched to the simple IRA. Um, and so I guess for people who might not know, what is what is that difference between a, a simple IRA and um, simple, 401k? The word is an acronym. It means saving incentive match plan for employers. And basically it works very similar to how most 401k work. 401k plans work, but it doesn't have the reporting requirements and the accounting requirements that a 401k does. It has no annual fees. It is a; These are all IRAs that are owned by each employee with a different set of rules than what a traditional IRA would be. Okay. And so can you put, um, I think you can put more money in the simple IRA. You can than a regular. Mm-hmm. Okay. And an employer could make contributions. Yes. The employer must make contributions if an employee chooses to put money in. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. And then how do you usually, um, so I know in my case, one of those things that I struggled with was knowing, all right, at what point do I put in like fixed amounts or do it percentages? And so when I tried doing the, the fixed amounts, inevitably, I mean, in, in my business, it, it's like, it's cyclical. So you get, right. you get huge months and you get small months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of the nature of, of the game. Someone's invoices are delayed and they all come at once. Um, so I know I, I struggle a little bit with doing 
you know, fixed amounts. But then once I s- sort of shifted to the percentage where it's like, hey, well, you know, 2%, mm-hmm. you know, it became a little bit a little bit easier mm-hmm. where it was like, all right, well, you know. Right. It's a matter of, well, hey, if, you know, 2% is 2%, no matter what you make. And if you can't do 2% one month or then, you know, something's wrong if you can't do 2% of your revenue or, or whatever it is that you're doing <laughs> um, to, be able, to be able to put it in and with a goal of saying, hey, well, I want to, increase this every month. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are, what are, what should people be looking for? Let's say as they go from their twenties to the thirties, are there any habits that people should get into or as a tech list? Any, any thoughts that way? Yeah. You need to start saving before it seems to make sense. And before you think you can do it. And your example of using percentages is ideal. Okay. And so, um, do you have any any ideas for people like to do a mental checklist to know how much they're saving? What is the best way that you usually recommend? Is it sitting down with an advisor? Um, are there things they can do on their own to see if they're saving enough? Yeah, you can on your own. You can just do your budget and and keep it written down and track it, or use one of the tools that are online. Um, there are some very good simple tools that people can use. And, you know, just pull it up on their phones. And uh, so it's just a matter of looking at your expenses and seeing where your money is going and and looking at um, how to fit this into a regular commitment and uh, in your in your long term saving. Okay, so so in your career, have you um, have you ever run into people who realize at the end that they um or that are getting close to retirement and realize they haven't done anything. I mean, obviously, we don't need to know any names, but I'm guessing this does happen to some people uh, in the freelance world. Uh, oh, oh, it does. It does. Um, and the individual who I spoke of a little bit ago, as I mentioned, many of the people that he spent years knowing and working with um, aren't doing well because they just either didn't want to or didn't see the need to put back enough money to where they don't have to do without now. Okay. And then eventually just caught up to them. It did. Yeah. Eventually they- yeah. Because, you know, time, time is everything. And if you wait until you're 55 years old and think I better get started, it's basically too late. Okay. So, so let's go to the, um, let's say, you know, a freelancer who doesn't have any employees who mm-hmm. is either, you know, created on the side what are some things they can do on their own? Um, I mean, especially there, there, there's a, a big economy where you get, you know, photographers who maybe work on the side or there's moms who have, mm-hmm. um, are partially stay home and also a photographer. Other people are full time. What do you find is the, the most helpful thing if you're not fully employed, mm-hmm. but still wanting to save a little bit mm-hmm. for retirement to, to just get started? My experience is that people that work in those areas are passionate about what they do. And that's really all they want to do. And the most effective thing to do is to find a trusted advisor and let that person do this for you, follow their direction, follow their recommendations, meet with them regularly, and then that way you don't have to be the one worrying about it. You've got somebody doing that for you. Okay, so you really think that having an accountability partner in this case, someone who's going to help out and just kind of keep pinging you is really the mo- the thing that you'd recommend um, the most versus just someone saying, oh, I'm just going to figure it out on my own. Well, I work with a lot of small business owners and, and professionals who 
they love what they do. And many of them don't want to have to do what I do. So I come alongside them and I do this for them and with them. And it's been the best, it's been the best way for them to realize their goals and objectives because they've got someone else that they trust guiding them and helping them get to where they want to go. All right, no, sounds good. And so what would you recommend for a financial advisor? How do how should people as they're looking at things, what do you usually recommend for I mean obviously like you do financial advising, but you know this podcast will go out, you know, across sure. you know, the US, the you know, world. How do you, what would you recommend for people to look for things um, in a financial advisor? Are there any tests or things to watch out for? The best thing to do is to find out who your friends are working with. Find out who they trust. Professional credentials are very important because it shows that that individual is doing what they can to become professional in their field. Unfortunately, you cannot just rely on that. You can't just say, is that person this or that, and then know fully well that they're going to have your best interest in place. I wish I could say that, but there, that's, only a part of, that's only a part of finding the right person to work with. So you need to find someone who others close to you trust and someone who you feel like you can be open with and who is working in your best interest and not theirs. Okay, so so would you recommend just whether talking with family members or, um, you know, friends, friends, just seeing who are they mm-hmm. working with, who have they had a good experience with, mm-hmm. and kind of looking around that way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, yeah, and I know in uh, you know your case, you know, you sold my parents the first um, you know life insurance policy when I was born, and so I, I figured you know twenty seven later, if if you were crooked, you would have been caught already. So I figured, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, my, my dad was still working with you, and uh, yeah, I know he he uh, he hates of. Uh, sales salesmen with that, that pressure but he felt that you always were, were good at walking alongside them and helping them understand things um without feeling like they need, needed to do something um you know more than they could do at that moment um and so i was like well hey if, if it works for my dad then hey it works for me too thanks um and then yeah i'm curious too with kind of within that industry uh you know there's always that balance between being a relationship builder um kind of in that sales space and being someone who's a challenger, have you had any, any, how, what has that balance been, um, in your field? Cause too, in the creative process, people do have to, um, I think we could learn a few things from, from you. I mean, I had a guy work with me, um, and he was, he was really helpful with, you know, tips such as, you know, learning how to ask for referrals and, and stuff like that. Do mm-hmm. you have any tips that you would want to, um, that you'd want to give for people who are in that creative space when it comes to building relationships, you mm-hmm. know, closing sales, being mm-hmm. a challenger, any, any tips like that that you'd want to? Yeah, I, it's really going to be a situation where you feel like whomever you're working with, they're making a recommendation to you because it's the right recommendation, that they're more concerned about you accomplishing what you need to and doing it in a way that you feel like it's in, it's in their best interest. And, and by having that peace and that knowledge, then the credibility of that recommendation will stand on its own as opposed to feeling like you're being pushed into something that you don't want 
where you don't want to go, a good advisor is not going to do that. A good advisor is going to ask a lot of questions up front in order to understand what it is that you're going to be most comfortable in doing and and um, and just because I appreciated your remark about your dad. I want to build long-term relationships. So I'm not going to suggest something inappropriate if I want to work with a person for a long time. It'll become apparent that that I'm not doing the right thing real fast and I'll lose that relationship. Okay. And what I think that carries through just to people who are in that creative space is, you know, treat it people you're working with as um, as if you wanted to work with them over the long term. Exactly. And, and develop that relationship. Exactly. Um, and, and not that, um, you know, I think especially in this in this field, you know, there are a lot of long-term relationships and mm-hmm. there's a lot of trust if you, someone's trusting you with uh, communicating their message or someone's trusting you with their wedding or right. whatever it is. There is a high level of trust that needs to be built in order for that to, that to right. work. It's not simply a transactional, all right, go up to a store, you know, buy something, walk away, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you're really building trust over the long haul. Right. Well, sounds good. Well, do, do you have any other thoughts too, as you've been involved with this when it comes to, um, you know, generosity and ha- have you observed any, any, any tips for people as they, as things do go well, who do you find are the, the happiest people with, with money? Um, mm-hmm. and are there any tips that we should, we should look forward to or any tips with regards to whether it's generosity or stewardship, anything like that? Oh, that's great. Um, to earn money for the sake of earning money is not very happy because you'll never earn enough of it. And so we don't want that. And, and, uh, money's important. Money's a resource. Money needs to be kept in perspective. And, what what my experience has been is that those people who think more about others than themselves are those that are happiest and are not clinging so tightly to the money that they've accumulated. And the amount of satisfaction people get is is really it's impossible to measure because it's so individual but if people can get into the habit of helping others in ways that they see fit um those have been the most those have been the happiest people i've worked with okay so you find people that are involved just with helping others and in what way is that usually whether it's being involved in church or just helping out or a nonprofit or oh everything yeah um a lot of church a lot of organizations that are important to them a lot of um, a lot of um, endeavors that they feel benefit others, and it's all over the board. Okay, so so you find that those who do make money, though, towards the end, some of the happiest people are those who are involved with other things and, and yes. giving it away. Yes, and and it's it's been a privilege for me to help people do some of the creative charitable giving that they wanted to do, and uh, and and so I've I've really enjoyed getting to do that. Because because it just it's so important to them. Okay, and so it was because they managed things well early on. They were able to to do things like give it away, um, mm-hmm. give it away later. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. You have the freedom to be able to do that and still be able to have enough of what you need. Okay. So there have been times where I've I've met people who are like, oh, I wish I had a lot of money so I could give it away. Um, but then in the back of the mind, I know they're maybe not managing their money well today. Um, you know living it a little right. bit more. Um, yeah. What level of sacrifice do people have to take early on to get to what they want to do? Wes, I just think it's a, 
matter of getting in the habit of it. Just the habit more than anything? Yeah, the, I wish I had more money to so I could give some away. I've learned in my life as an excuse. <laughs> you know, there's no reason why you can't get 5 and $10 away to something that's important to you, to something that you know will benefit. And then, then, then it just continues to build. So you create those habits. And then you get used to it. And then you get brave enough to be able to give sacrificially. And that's when the real... That's when the real gratification and the rewards come into play when you're able to do that. Oh, great. No, I think that's a, that's just a really good point that this, the building the habits is not so much about amount of money when you're it's young, not. but it's really more about establishing those habits right. um, now. And so I think that's the big thing that we want, you know, the listeners in the podcast is that, sure. you know, that many of them are um, in situations now where it's, you know, they're pursuing, they love what they do. They're pursuing something, something new, but they also might be in that, mm-hmm. that freelance space or they might be employed, but not thinking that they should be saving very much. Right. Um, but really it's getting, establishing those habits now um, so they can really ramp them up um, as they get, get, older and as they start making a little more versus you know mm-hmm. buying that nicer car right away rather than than saving that money up right all right well thanks well any uh last parting words and of course how, how can people get a hold of you or if they i know you're based out of the in indiana um yeah um you can uh find me at tom and uh i'll be glad to uh, answer questions or help others best i can all right well thanks it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast tom Thanks, Wes. Well, that's it for now, folks. Thanks for listening to the No Fat Cats podcast, where we help high-performing teams get even better. I hope you had a few takeaways from this podcast. I know I did. And look, if anything, I hope you learned that saving and uh, setting aside money for retirement, you really need to do that first versus waiting until it's left over because guess what you as we talked with tom he said he's never in his however many years of doing this found someone who successfully saved for retirement by waiting until the very end and saving what they had left over nope just doesn't happen so if anything i would encourage you to find your own financial advisor find professionals who can walk you through the conversation for yourself Like I said, you don't have to know all the answers. You just have to know the questions. All right. Well, thanks for joining and join in next week for a conversation with Nathan Fussner about design. Well, hope to hear there and we'll talk to you then. All right. Have a good one. Adios.